We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And Lakers got a win on Saturday, 107-97 to against the Houston Rockets. And a nearly healthy roster, uh, both... Vando and Rui were cleared to play. Rui did not play. It sounds like uh, Tuesday is likelier for him, but Vando got his first run of the season and behind a another defensive run in the second quarter, Lakers go on a 25 to two run in the second quarter that was later capped off by just an unbelievable <laughs> layup by LeBron James off of a drop step that got the whole crowd just with their hands on their head and disbelief. And then Lakers held on, ended up winning by 10. It was a little more. And then the G League crew had another stretch where it was like, oh man, these guys are rough. But uh, Lakers play well, particularly on the defensive end. Max Christie was was really good again on both ends of the floor. And so, Mike, you were there. Give us your thoughts on Lakers-Houston. After the game, I asked LeBron a question about the identity of the team and what they could be, kind of where they could get to. And this was in response to after... Okay, the OKC game, he was doing the whole, I have no idea what this team is and because the five guys, the, the five players were all out um, and a lot of the size and athleticism. And so I said, hey, did you maybe just get a, a bit more of a feel of where this team could, team could get to by watching this game and by having your athletes back with Vanderbilt and Reddish, even if Rui um, Hachimura wasn't on the floor? And he more or less allowed it, which a lot of times he'll just dismiss that as like, yeah, I don't know. We got to see it. So I I think that and then I I got a chance to speak to Anthony Davis a little bit about it as well. And it's becoming pretty clear if it wasn't already clear the way that this team can win and the way that this team can be good. And I do think it's it's the way that they played in that second quarter and not necessarily going on a 25 to two run, but just, you know, aggressive intensity on defense and length and size um, with a little bit of skill mixed in as opposed to sort of the five out and and the shooting and and like that, the way that um, I think that there was an opportunity to see how that looked to start the season. So uh, that, that to me is the encouraging part and a part that presumably they'll have these athletes healthy for a little while and they can keep working on this um, starting with the in-season tournament game against Phoenix tomorrow. 
But that Darius to me was was the takeaway. Just that, yeah, this team can be a real challenge to score on. And then instead of having to worry exclusively about how they look in the half court, they can get out and run um, and get some advantages that way and use their athleticism on the other end as well. The idea of this team skewing more towards a bully ball defensive first team that is going to thrive offensively based off of what they do on defense. Yeah, the defense is kind of the thing you think about first that catalyzes the offense. 100%. And that was on full display against the Rockets. Getting Vando and Cam back in the same game was great. Teaming them with Prince, who was active defensively, was great. What I saw, though, too, was the Lakers had 11 steals. D'Lo had five of those. D'Lo was and unbelievable had, on defense, yes. And Austin Reeves had three of them. So eight of the 11 steals do not come from any of your regular burglars. Right, the athletes and all the size we're talking about. Yep. It was the secondary burglars who were sort of just like, I see my opportunity here to jump in and be a little bit of a thief as well. And that it's that point to me, Pete, those guys aren't going to get that many steals a game. (laughs) Obviously, they may not get that many steals combined over the next four games combined, right? But D'Lo has upped his deflection rate a ton this season. And Austin has, it's funny with Austin's season, he's been like a mimic to me. He's like, sort of like, oh, wait, I see this other guy doing this. Let me try this too. Like he's been doing it with his passes. He's been doing it with some of his, with with some of the shots that he's been getting. And this last game, he was just like, oh, pressure the ball and try to go chase it and see if I could come up with it. Like he had that beautiful steal on the right wing where like his man sort of brought him into the action and he Mm -hmm. just jumped like he he, like broke off the root. And and that stylistically, in the context of even though we talk about doing this with like big athletes with long arms and whatnot, that sort of opportunistic find it, you know, impromptu trap type of style, Austin and D'Lo, like they can use their anticipation as skills to really, you know, create turnovers there. Well, for me, and I'll kick this back to you now, it's like the idea too of if everyone starts to try to play this way. With the athletes then behind, that's how those runs start. It's not just like, oh, well, we've got like, let's let Cam and Vando do all the the work. No. Yep. Everyone's got to jump in and play a part of this. And against Houston, that's what it was. And that's what sort of crescendoed with that run. I just think these things are related also, though, when you have Vanderbilt or Cam Reddish on the court and they're they're therefore able to take on better challenges uh, defensively just in terms of who they're guarding, then D'Lo and Austin can bleat, can do that more because they're one of them isn't having to be on like the secondary creator or yep. it, it's, it's not always that simple, but you just, if you put the athletes on the floor, they don't have to be the ones that are doing all of the flat, the, the steals and the deflections because they may just be taking away what the other team wants to do uh, offensively. And they can also help when you're, when you're more aggressive, whether it's those athletes or the, the guys like D'Lo and Austin, in that when you play this type of style, D, you're going to get beat sometimes. And you're get, you got to have guys behind you that are able and or not just willing, but also physically able to recover, to, to cover distance quickly, to bother a shot with length, even though they're in, in a disadvantaged position, you know? Cam and Bando both had 
good rim contest at the basket as secondary helpers yep. where it's just like, oh, that's not a play D'Angelo Russell is physically capable nope. of, of making. Prince actually isn't either. Like, He's not. That's just not the type of athlete he is. And so... um the idea of having Vando when he's on the court with like Wood and LeBron as being a guy who's just like, oh, I see that rotation. I'm just going to go and make it and I'm going to challenge this shot at the rim and help force a miss. It's like, oh, great. And then it's Cam doing something similar. And this is where the Lakers injury is all hitting at the same spot. Basically, right, like that sort of power wing group defensively especially those guys don't do any of the same stuff the same offensively but defensively they play similar roles Mm -hmm. having all of them back at the same time a save Rui of course allows you then to say like oh well everyone now is sliding down when you miss all of that portion of the roster everyone slides up instead and meaning that you gotta kind of guard a bigger guy than you're ideally would be guarding exactly and so while while the NBA is like more like more positionless now and like you'll see Prince playing forward, quote unquote, just based off of the other guy who he's guarding is playing forward, quote unquote. It's also a bunch of minutes where it's like, oh, your smallest guy on the court is D'Angelo Russell or your smallest guy yeah. on the court is Austin, Austin Reeves. Reeves. And when that's the case and and they're not actually playing together all that much Right. And so it's like, oh, okay. well, here's a lineup with one skill guard and then some combination of Max, Prince and and Cam as like the two or the two and the three with like Vando, LeBron and Anthony Davis, Anthony Davis, Vando and LeBron. And it's like, oh, oh, wait, there's like a lot of dudes here now and all of them Mm -hmm. are long and all of them are rangy and all of them are able to do some stuff. And it's like, oh, this is what it's all about. And Darvin spoke about this post game. Mikey was just like, yeah, it kind of helped having all of these guys back at like to do all of this ball pressure stuff that I really kind of like and my whole defense is built around. And this is to me the part where it's important what the rotation is and it's important who's playing next to whom. Because after the game, you're right, Darvin did say that. And so we spoke to Torian Prince and I asked him a question along these lines of, hey, there were some lineups where you were closer to the two or at least sized down and some of the other athletes were out there with you. You know, did you feel how does that affect the way that you play, et cetera? And he basically dismissed it. He was like, no, nah, like I'm out there. I play the same way. I don't really worry about positions. And, and so that tells you something, but that's, you know, Darvin Ham can then, he can still put Prince out there with groups where you're going to get the best out of him, even if he's not, if he's not thinking about it in that context, but like Anthony Davis is because Anthony Davis knows mm-hmm. when, when there's somebody else next to him, it, as an aside, this ties into me with the whole thing we've heard throughout the years of, of AD saying that he doesn't want to exclusively play center. And it's not because he doesn't think he can play center or because he doesn't like it or it's because he thinks he is best, um, at, at least yeah. during times of the games, when he doesn't have to be the one to guard every ball screen and be dropped. And again, I, I think people have taken that for AD not wanting to carry the, the larger it's load. It's so dumb. No, maybe it's he's like, just recognized I'm really good at he's, this other thing. Like yeah. maybe he's the expert on this subject of what That's he's all. good at on defense. And, and and I think even even us, or certainly even me, at first I was like, well, wait, why why was he? And I've just listened to him more over the years, and then watched the effort that he maintains on that end. And when you size up next to him, 
he recognizes that it's very, very difficult to score. That's it. He's just trying to win the games. Uh, and, and I think that it's important to continue to listen to him in this context. Amen. Let's take a break. When we come back, I want to talk more about kind of what this stretch of injuries gave the Lakers a bit of a silver lining amidst it. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So one of the things about the injuries all hitting at the same spot, it allowed opportunities for both Cam Reddish and then Max Christie to get some minutes in ways that are like, oh, that's really going to work. <laughs> you know, and that first happened with Cam defensively and the the type of ball pressure that he can put on and that ability to guard down D. And think of that as in the context of Darwin's comments about how he wants to play and have really big guys with size, you know, and athleticism on the ball, playing ball denial off of the ball, right? And so Cam being able to do that, and then I think Max is a really crucial figure going forward as well. I've been tracking the net ratings of our big front courts versus our small front courts with the three spot being kind of that swing position. So basically, how do we play when we have three big people at the two forward spots and at the five? And how do we play when we have one guy who's more of a guard perimeter type of player in those spots. And there's only one group of the small groups that has a a really positive net rating. And that involves Max. It's D'Lo, Max, and Prince. And so I think that there's this kind of eternal debate right now uh, in amongst coaches and basketball people of the value of size versus the value of foot speed. Because that is the big pushback D against, oh, why don't you just go bigger? Why don't you just size up? Is that you got to be able to guard the three-point line. You got to be able to space the floor on offense and shoot. And Max is one of those guys that he he plays organized basketball very well. And it's a different style, I think, than what can be kind of that middle portion of the game. And so when you look at that D'Lo, Prince, and Max trio that's been successful, they have a net rating of uh, 18 plus 18.8, 91 minutes together, those three. So that's a decent sample uh, for, for a trio this far into the season. And it's all tall guys who get deflections and can close out well and uh, and and can shoot. Right. And so it is kind of this like splicing of the two things, D. And so Max being able to mix it up on the boards, he had a couple possessions that I'll break down a little bit later. But that ability on both ends of the floor, I think that he has shown something in this stretch that like with as many guys as we have, I still think Max needs to play. So 
I'm so happy you brought this up. It was something I was thinking about yesterday in regards to Max and just how Max was really sort of faltering around to start the season. And it looked like his summer had not carried over, basically. And we were all high on Max. We were just like, Max needs to play. I remember when the season was starting, I was like, I was sort of high on Cam over the summer as like this guy who could help. And then the preseason came and I was just like, this dude is just kicking the ball all over the court Mm -hmm. and he looks lost for what he should be doing. Like Max needs to play, like Cam should not be playing over Max. And then Max got these chances and I was just like, Max ain't ready. Yeah, it wasn't even close. Like Cam was outplaying him by a ton. Yeah. I was just like, Max... Like, I'm disappointed, like behind the scenes, I was texting you guys this, like, I was just like, I'm kind of disappointed that Max hasn't sort of seized the opportunities that have been given to him. He has not been, A, he wasn't making shots, but B, even defensively, he was fouling a lot. He was like, he, he just wasn't playing to the level that he could, could have. And Darwin had him on a kind of a short leash. It was just like, hey, man, like, and you're LeBron young. too. LeBron was barking at him. Yep. Well, it's just like, you're young. Like, yeah. you're a part of our future, but that doesn't mean you have to be a part of our present. If you out here kicking the ball around, we're trying to win games. And so at a certain point, though, Mike, everyone was hurt. Like, even Cam, Cam got that, that sort of sore growing. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, well, we got no one else. You got to play, Max. And that first game or so, it was like Max still didn't look like he had found his flow. But having that opportunity, as Pete mentioned, like that's the silver lining. It's just like there was no one else to go to. You're not going to. JHS wasn't even ready yet. So even if JHS was showing that he was capable of taking on like spot minutes, like he wasn't even playing. So who are you going to play? Maxwell Lewis? Yeah. You're going to play Alex Fudge? No, you're not. And so Max got extended run where there was no ability to be like, well, you're not going to play at all because we're not going to play six guys right. the rest of the game. You have to play. And now he has found his rhythm and his shooting rhythm. His shot looks sped up the way that it was during the summer. He had these slow releases during the early Everyone part of so the season. Everyone was so tentative. I got a rant to go on about that. But yeah. And like, I'm like, yeah. what is going on with this dude? And now – and. To your point, Pete, he's mixing it up on the boards. He's the one guy out of all of those sort of like tweener guard wings exactly. that rebounds. Exactly. And That's why he's the he's guy that fin- can, if you want to play small, you got to have Max in the game. Yep. And he's finishing in the paint with power. Everything he does is off of two feet. He is just one of these guards as it's like, oh, well, you can do it on the wing with physicality, even though you're young. And I feel like that's one of the reasons why that that trio works as well, because he is the counterbalance between these two sort of like rangy, like I'm not going to mix it up guard types in D'Lo and Prince. And Max is in there like, I'll get my nose dirty. I'll go in there for a two hand dunk. I'll go in there and rebound with well with the bigs and and he'll defend whatever out of those three positions he can defend one, two or three. And so I'm happy you brought Max up, Pete, because I've really been impressed with with how he's gone. And I agree with what you're saying about him needing to play. Well, what you just said right there about the skills that Max has and how he's been deploying them like that. That's exactly what we thought before the season started. So that we've known that about Max. The the difference is the mental part of this. And, you know, Pete, we talked to Josh Powell a couple of weeks ago, 
and he informed this exact this exact state of a player mentally and what it takes to succeed and it's just like there are so many players in the world of basketball not just in the nba that could fit into a specific role um if they felt like they were supposed to do it and if they had the proper confidence and they weren't worried about what the stars thought to an extent and and they didn't see somebody over their shoulder that was a vet and that was likely to play and when when everybody got hurt, Max got that chance to know that he was going to be on the floor, even if he made a couple mistakes, even if he missed a couple shots. And it just took him a little bit to get up to that point. And now that he's there, great. And, and you hope that he can stay in that in that spot and not just get out of the, rota- the rotation completely, which could cause a backslide on this. And this also made me think of Phil Jackson and some of those second units that they played even throughout the title season, even in the postseason, were not the most talented groups. And Josh Paul being one of the guys in those groups, but they knew they were going to play. They knew that they were going to be asked to do certain things that were within their power. Um, I think it also helped that they basically had that same rotation every game and there weren't guys being huge missing games all the time. But that's that's just what. That works. So we've seen that over time in the NBA. And for Max, it wasn't like his skills suddenly went away. It was that he wasn't he he really cares about playing. He really wants to help. And I think he was pressing because of all of those other factors. And once that's calmed down, we saw the player um, that we thought that he could emerge into. I also think the context of those injuries had Max guarding down a position more than he had been before. Like one of the things that I noticed, like so for example, the three-point shooting had he didn't start 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 out well, but several guys fit into that bucket, right? Of like struggling from the perimeter in ways where it was a team-wide problem and a level of kind of discombobulation that has been improving. Um, but uh, you know, still has has some ways to go. So I'm less worried about that. But one of the things that I noticed was like guys that are around his size that are a little bit older and a little, little bit stronger, a little more experienced. He was really foul prone on them. And uh, and so they were using their strength to kind of get advantage on him in ways that when he guards down D, he guards ones or smaller type of twos instead of the more physical ones. They don't have that in their bag against a guy his size. And he's able to slide his feet and use his length particularly well that stacks on top of the other guys and the other athletes and Anthony Davis, right? In a way that I think like really fits in and it finds, I I feel like we've kind of found a defensive role for Max in that when he can guard a little bit smaller guys, he can really, really contribute. He was great against Van Vliet. Mm-hmm. And he's really good against smaller guards in general. Like I, like I've said this before, but he reminds me of like a taller boxer who understands how to leverage his length against a bunch of different fighters. Who just because of how tall he is and his weight class, almost everyone's going to be smaller than mm-hmm. than him. And, and so he keeps his range. And Max's defensive style is super translatable against smaller guards because he's a high hands defensive player. Like whoever mm-hmm. taught him at a young age to play defense, like kudos to them because, and kudos to Max for keeping yeah. this as part of his arsenal, but he is a high hands player. His hands are always up. He's, this he's always shading style of defense, D, the ball pressure, the, all of that you force, even if you don't, don't get the deflection, you force passes that have a little bit more arc underneath them. Right. And so it, this really fits into what, what Darwin wants to do. You guys highlighted this. Um, and we brought this up on a previous pod, but you put together, um, 
a great little clip of that closing possession against Donovan Mitchell in in the Cavs game where Max picked him up basically three-quarter court and and Mitchell was attacking him full speed in the open court in order to try to come come and hit I think a game tying jumper um before the fourth quarter buzzer and Max did a great job of of like dropping his hips and shifting and sliding and staying in front but what you'll notice is his hand is always up And so there's a freeze frame where Mitchell is coming into his jump stop to pull pull the ball back and Max's hand is still high. And so even though Mitchell creates the separation to get off his jumper fairly cleanly and Max doesn't recover all the way in time in order to get a great contest on, on that shot, the first thing when Mitchell is pulling that ball back is, oh, damn, that's a high hand. Mm-hmm. Right in front of me. He's just able to do that. He's done well against a bunch of smaller guards who are also pretty explosive, like Malik Monk and other guys of that ilk. And, and so I'm super happy that Max has found a role. Let's go to break here, because when we come back, I'm super interested to see where the rotation goes from here. And so I have a question for both of you guys. So, Pete, you opened it up saying Rui didn't play. And we talked a bunch about these sort of like combination wing types, right? Max, Vando, Cam, Prince. These are all guys who are... Vando's more of a forward, but he guards down a bunch. He guards threes. He can guard twos. We're talking about Prince playing some shooting guard, right? Cam, Max, same thing. Where do you see Rui fitting into this mix as a true forward, considering you still have Kristen Wood, you still have Jackson Hayes, and then obviously your team is built around LeBron James and Anthony Davis, who are fours and fives on this roster. And so, like, I open the floor to both of you about what this looks like now, incorporating another guy who needs to play. Yeah. So if you just look at the minutes... Christian Wood and Jackson Hayes basically just got one shift uh, and Wood may have played two different shifts in the first half, but he only played nine minutes and 48 seconds. And then Hayes basically just played in that to start the fourth quarter, Um, uh, not quite five minutes. And that was it. Like LeBron 35, AD 36. That's what that's what that's going to be. Prince was 30. Reddish 25, Vanderbilt 13, which I think could go up some. Austin actually lower uh, than you might think, only 22 and then Max, 28. And that's that's kind of one of the interesting numbers. And that was, I think, in part with Fred Van Vliet, in part with all the stuff we just talked about with Max. But I do, like, Rui needs to play at least 20 minutes. Or, man, I guess on some nights with all these other guys, 15 to 20 minutes, but at least somewhere <laughs> around there. I would love to see LeBron drop a couple. Uh, love Would love to see AD drop a couple. And then I think you, to me, it's, it's with Wood, Wood has not been playing as well the last couple of games um, as he mm-hmm. did to start the season. And I, I think that's the most natural spot to drop out. And especially against teams that are playing like Houston played a micro second unit in terms of size with Jeff Green mm-hmm. at the five. A lot of teams play small with their second unit. And to me, that's where Rui can play center like he did in the mm-hmm. playoffs. And Pete, you hinted at this in the text thread as well. So that's 
that's one way. There are other groups I think that are you're going to want to have be a little bit bigger and have that verticality at the rim, and that's to me Jackson Hayes, especially when LeBron's on the court and AD's off. I, I'd certainly I I'm totally fine with him getting those five to ten minute shifts, mm-hmm. you know, depending on how things are going. But other than that, it's just it's just going to be about well. You'd rather have Rui Hachimura on the floor most times than Torian Prince. So I don't know if Prince is going to play 30 um, in in those contexts, even if you're sizing down, because Max can then can play some of those minutes too. But Prince has not been one of the guys whose minutes have been trimmed at all. So mm-hmm. I, I guess I'm revealing my hand a little bit by the names that I'm mentioning. <laughs> um, I, I, I didn't mention, you know, who I, I'm not going to say that like Russell or uh, or Austin should be playing less, but that's uh it's not going to be easy and i also i'm gonna knock on wood while i say this i also don't think that they're going to be fully healthy at any point of the season and so some of these questions will be answered themselves by that but that's kind of cheating the game yeah these are these are good prop good problems in a sense we don't even have gabe vincent to mix into this uh yet right and so darvin's gonna have some interesting decisions to make and whatever he does there's gonna be somebody that's like damn i'm a pretty good player and i feel like i should be able to play and, and help. Um, in terms of where my head is at, I think that coaches try to build their teams and lineups into like the the collective the collective of the five builds a thing, right? Or it's a style of play. You've got something that you can be. And I thought one of the most interesting subs of the season this year was on Saturday when Max Christie was either the first or second sub into the game. I didn't think Max was going to play at all. And so not only the, the fact that he played, but the fact that he got 28 minutes and seeing him in context with everybody else, Darbin really wants to overload on that perimeter defense and guys that can really do that. At least that's the impression that I came away with. And so if you're doing that with guys with good size and length, you can go a little bit smaller in the front court, provided that you play a certain style of play. And so in terms of Rui and Hayes, Hayes, I agree with you, Mike, is if you want to keep running your drop coverages on defense and simulate Anthony Davis, he's the guy who can do it best. Nobody does it completely, right? And I think you can totally switch with Hayes. I would prefer to switch with, with Hayes. But if you want a little bit more size, a little bit more, uh, you know, typical classic five man type of stuff. I think you can do that. If you're going to switch and have, and you got to have size at all the other positions, D, but I see Rui increasingly as a five on this team as, as wild as that sounds, um, provided that you're not running drop coverages. You're not like that. You are changing up what you're doing, but if you've got like Max in the backcourt and cam, you got to be big at all the other positions and there are going to be other situations where Rui is a three, right? And so I think that that type of versatility, there's a great amount of uh, versatility throughout the roster that Darvin can go to while still playing the same style of play that I'm super excited about. Kicking your question back to you, D, where do you see Rui uh, fitting into this and just kind of the Darvin's dilemma? So I'm on board with what Mike says. I think Rui needs to play like 20 minutes or so. We hinted at this the other day before Rui had been cleared. Um, Mike mentioned that he had been looking at lineup data and it's like, hey, you know whose name seems to show up in almost Uh all the positive groups? It's Rui. And so what are we really doing? If we're just like, hey, let's play all the guards. And Rui's a center now. It's just like, to a certain extent, I, I I agree with what you're saying, but it's just like, he's been super helpful in like lineups that skew bigger. Like he's been oh, yeah. good next to Wood. 
He's been good. Ne- like he's been good next to Wood and LeBron. He's been good mm-hmm. next to LeBron and Hayes. He's been good with LeBron in general. Yeah, LeBron is the unifier. Yep. And LeBron needs that athletic support and size as well. And so it's just like if you're going to ask those dudes to switch, like I get it, but also give LeBron and Rui like another big to sort of like help in the paint a little bit more and then let those guys go run is to me like something that makes more sense. There's a good argument for it too, right? And this is what I've been arguing for a lot of the year. That saying, that that said though, that decision right there basically means that one of Cam or Max probably isn't going to get run, right? 100%. And so this is the tricky part. It's just, and so here's where I am too. I think that in order for this team to be at its best, it needs functionally three different types of lineups, right? And the third lineup is the one that I'm going to say, you need this look less, but you need it all the same, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think you need a viable two big lineup, right? Mm -hmm. So earlier during the season, that was LeBron, AD, and Wood. That group worked really well together in this context i would consider like lebron ad and Rui also sort of like a two like Rui kind of a two in, in big, the two big kind of when it's lebron like that, that's part of the reason just a quick interjection why i think Rui works in a lot of these lineups is he's a little bit of a few different things right you need to space the floor he's not the best shooter but he can do it right you need to guard a five that's strong he can do that a bit Rui also shoots the ball faster then Wood, Wood's load, yeah, very like, deliberate. the way that Wood has been loading the ball has been super slow. And it's one of the reasons why he's been driving into traffic a ton. Um, I actually don't think five out spacing is really catering to Wood's strengths. Like as, as a guy, he's playing above the break so much more. And the guy who is helping off him is one pat, like his own man is helping one pass away. And because Wood is bigger and his shot isn't at, and they're guarding him with smaller guys, like he's not getting his shot off cleanly. And so then he's driving and then he's driving with like kind of big, slow steps. It's like, anyways, I think they need a viable two big lineup. And then they need, which I think is going to be their standard lineup, which is like LeBron and AD or like one big and then regular size dudes the rest of the way, right? Hopefully bigger front court guys, but whatever. I do think they need a centerless lineup as well. And this that, is the Rui that's lineup. That's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. And, and so I'm with you there. I don't think that should, like, if you're dividing these lineup types, like, I think the two big lineup and the centerless lineup are probably both going to be these like 10 to 15% of the minutes totally agree sort with of that. thing. And then the regular size groups are going to be like 70% of the game. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, but in regular sized, I'm still talking about like, Oh, well, all these dudes are big and not like, Oh, well it's Austin Prince and D'Lo all on the court together like no that's a we're small group and those Mm -hmm. groups deserve zero minutes my apologies to those (laughs) dudes who are all good players i just don't think that that's something that works mike just also thinking it in zooming out a little bit for because we could get really into the weeds about which specific guys play with which groups and and i to me it's a little bit more important well not more important 
it's it's important to also focus on just the style and like what what are they trying to get out of these groups? What are whoever mm-hmm. it is, if it's if it's Rui or if it's Cam or if it's Vanderbilt, like there are those can be they can be somewhat interchangeable. Even Prince when he's playing at the two instead of the three. And if if they're going to play this attacking defense and like the way that they played against Houston, then maybe you, you can play 10 guys more more so than mm-hmm. some teams who you want to play eight guys. And when you're out there, you're really playing at a certain level. Um, and, and if that level isn't there for a certain guy in a certain night and there are a couple of guys that we've that I've mentioned earlier in the pod who don't always have that level of energy, then even if the fit isn't as ideal, give me the guys that you know are going to have the motor revved at a certain number. Uh, and and that's to me the the most the best way to to supplement what LeBron and AD do. Mike, this is such a good point. And in lower levels of basketball where you have more teams where it's like we're going to trap 100% of the game, those are the teams that go 10, 12 deep in terms of their roster. And basically basically the idea is we're going to go crazy, like put our foot on the gas. Jackson Hayes is a great example of this. He played a like four or five minute shift in AD's place. But when Jackson Hayes is on the floor, man, empty the clip, like go a thousand percent, use your athleticism. It's about building a collective pressure athletically on the other team that it's hard to do that in like the eighth or ninth minute of a shift is to still keep that level of of gas, uh, you know, that, that level of, of heat on the on the other team. And so these shorter shifts where guys are going, especially your athletes that you're asking to play a certain way, like just go, go crazy for five, six minutes. We'll pull you, you'll be back in soon. This is a very like style of play type of thing. I love that you brought up this point, Mike, and it is a great way to kind of square the circle of, Oh crap, we've got 12 guys. And obviously Vincent isn't back yet, but this, how do we play everybody? This is a great way to do that in ways that it's also keeps everybody engaged and it's a fun style of play to play when you're, when everybody's doing it. But like D said, you can't be small while, while you're doing it to, to the same degree. Although that second quarter run was the best run we've had with primarily a small group on the floor. So we'll wrap up here. We got the in-season tournament tomorrow. Uh, should be fun. Um, we'll be back either tomorrow or on Wednesday to discuss it. But until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. Baines has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. That next to the winner. It's on the way. Good. Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. With his eighth block shot, the a lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one, listen. It's over. Shot clock out of five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. Add insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic. 
Trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.